You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders and for coders about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Welcome to another episode of the Complete Developer Podcast. Before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Uh, I really haven't been fighting a whole bunch. It's been terribly difficult. Y'all can't see, but I just took his pulse because of last week. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I've been fighting a little bit of stuff, but nothing uh, nothing too terribly impressive this week. It's actually kind of been smooth. And uh, we just got back from the uh, Code Newbies Atlanta, group yeah. in Atlanta. Um, literally like, what, an hour or two ago? Yeah, we, we got back, returned the rental car, and ate pizza before recording this. So, yeah, about yeah. an hour or so ago. And that was, uh, it was definitely a pretty cool group, and... Uh, yeah, I think we, we made some new friends down there. Um, honestly, the the group down there made me wish I lived in Atlanta because they got there's some pretty cool people down there. Yeah, they really are. And you know, I'm glad to see a uh, you know a starting development community growing because yeah. you know when you've been in this long enough, you want to see that because you see a lot of people at the other end of it going out. So it's it's definitely a good thing. So what about you? What have you been into? Well. Um, Mainly working, you know, planning this trip down to Atlanta. Uh, haven't gotten that much, and I've been working with my paying job. <laughs> you had a little Raspberry Pi incident this week, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was. Um, I was going to save that and talk about that in an IOTs, but I'll give a, a preview of it. Um, I uh, I've been struggling with the uh, with my Raspberry Pi because it's just uh, I have the noobs Raspbian on there and. I'm not sure what I did, but one day the GUI worked, and the next day it didn't. And I've been fighting with that for a couple of weeks now, and I found some stuff on raspberrypi.org about it, and I'll go into more detail probably in the, not this episode, but the next one um, when I talk about it for IoTs. But yeah, I ended up having to completely reinstall the, the Raspbian OS. That's painful. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't have much on there because I just started playing with it and learning. Though, I did accomplish one thing this week. You guys know I've been playing around with JavaScript. Well, I uh, started uh, a course on Node, and I believe it was Thursday, I uh, wrote my first HTTP server in Node. Nice. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. Like bare metal node without the express or any of that stuff. Yeah, bare metal. Nice. So it's it's pretty cool, and uh, I'm continuing on in that course, and I've got another one in Angular that I'm gonna be going through too. It's been really interesting working with the the JavaScript. I'm really, like I said last week, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful language, and most of the code on the web that's written in it is an absolute dumpster fire which is really unfortunate. It's because of the flexibility. It's easy to get into, but to really do eloquent applications is kind of a little bit more tricky. Yeah, like I'm, as I'm going along and learning, I'm learning better ways of doing things to where it would work. Something I would do would work most of the time and then it just wouldn't. And I'm finding ways to make it so it works all of the time. Sounds like somebody had some lexical scoping issues. Yes. Common problem. Moving along, uh, this week 
we're going to be talking to you guys about surviving boring meetings. So before that, we got... Yeah, yeah. Before that, I, I, I want to do this. Uh, I want to say this so you guys don't get the wrong impression. Um, Will had uh, a really great idea for, for IOTs, and uh, I told him to go ahead and research it up and write it out. So he is going to be doing our IOTs this week. Since we're going to do that, do you want to say the magic words or should I? Play that funky music. So for our IOTs this week, I want to direct you to morphosource.org. That's M-O-R-P-H-O-S-O-U-R-C-E dot org. And what's interesting about this is it's a data archive of fossilized, you know, basically fossilized dead animals, which sounds a little morbid, but these are, you know, creatures that have long since expired. And what they have done is they have provided 3D models for scientists. Mm -hmm. And so you can actually take that 3D model and you could print it on a 3D printer. That is awesome. So, for instance, they, they recently found a, a new species of human. You may have, you've probably seen the National Geographic cover uh, that came out, I think, last week. It was Homo naledi, is the name of the new species. Wow. And one of the bones, if I, yes, is on here. Um, I was looking, I'm trying to find it on the site. It's on the uh, left side, about halfway down. It says uh, recently published. And you can actually get the 3D model of it and print that out and look at a fossilized human bone. And so wait, wait. If you have a 3D printer, like anyone with a 3D printer... You probably have to have a pretty good size one depending well, on how big so, bone is, but... Like, any university could print this out. Yeah, it's basically a way of making a copy of something over a distance for study. So it's like faxing a Yeah, 3D. it's like faxing a bone to somebody. That's cool. And you still have the original copy. Yeah. You, do you remember um, in the movie Jurassic Park, the... The raptor claw he had always wanted one of those. Yeah, well, I mean, if somebody had one in a model, you could print your own. That'd be made out of plastic. Uh, still, that's but fine. There's also 3D printers that'll do metal and some other things. Like they're getting better at the material yeah, science. I don't, I don't think I'd be allowed to carry one around that was made of metal. Probably not, but it would be metal to carry it if you did carry it. <laughs> Entirely metal. Yes, yes, it would. So anyway, this is this is a really cool thing and you know i'm 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 a big nerd in this sort of stuff and so i kind of uh, irritated and boss beach around well, until he agreed that i'll, I'll tell you what happened he he came up with the idea and sent me the link and i was like that's really neat but i i didn't research it for this episode i had a different uh a different iot's i was going to do and uh when he asked me he's like are you going to do the the one i sent you i was like no but if you're really excited about it, you want to do it? And he said, yeah, so. Yeah. So anyway, that's our IOTs for the week, and that is morphosource.org. Again, that's, you know, check it out. And if you've got a 3D printer, you know, go and make something. Yeah, print something off if and you tell do. us about it. Yeah, if you, if you do print something off from there, uh, take a picture of it and, uh, Post it on the website because we'd love to see it. Yeah, and you you could you know, like you can make your thing on your three D printer and take a picture of it, and then I can print it on my two D printer. Yeah, you would too. He really would. 
Yeah. And frame it and put it up in his office. So yeah. if you if you want something of yours framed and put up in Will's office, you should do that. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you all about something that has probably affected every single one of us, if not directly, than someone we love, and that is breast cancer. Will and I are going to be participating in the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Walk here in Nashville in a couple of weeks. We are joining the Bippity Boppity Boobies team. Now, we didn't come up with that name. I believe my friend Lucretia did. She's the team captain. So shout out to Lucretia for, for putting that all together. This is the first year that Will and I have participated in it. So if you want to support us, we will have a link on our website over to the group page at uh, Komen.org. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how to survive boring meetings. We uh, hope to offer you, a, you know, several good tips to make these difficult meetings a little bit more survivable and a little bit more, a little bit less of a pain, I guess. You know, we, we have a lot of those in development. Like I had these one are... day last week where I had six hours of meetings. My goodness, and that's, that's not ridiculous. even that's not even a surprise. Like this happens fairly often. You know, we had release meetings, and then we had meetings about what was coming next, and then other meetings that I somehow got sucked into because I'm not sneaky enough. You know, like you gotta, you know, when when other people are in the building, you gotta be a ninja. And you gotta like it. This, is, this is why I like the sales world because if you're in meetings, you're making you're, money. You're not making money. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Depends on if you're meeting with clients. If you count that. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I don't count meeting clients as meetings. I'm talking about like. Well, these were actually all essential. Um, yeah. For various purposes, it's you know we've got multiple customers and multiple things, you know, multiple pies that I have my hands in. So it's it's not exactly a surprise. That said, meetings are a little bit of a pain. Um, for one thing, you're not coding. They're frequently boring. Frequently, other people are talking. And we kind of wanted to present a few strategies to help you get through that. But before we get into that a little bit, I, I want to talk say- a little bit about the research we did for this project. And if you go on Google and you look for ways <laughs> to survive difficult, time-consuming meetings, um, you come up with two things. One is, is a whole bunch of advice on how to give a meeting and it not be boring. And the fact is, is most of our listeners are probably not in the position to actually be the ones directing a meeting. We'll probably make a podcast. It'll be much further down the line, but yeah, we will have one on that. Um, However, the fact is is most of us here really are not, you know, calling meetings for ourselves. I mean, crud. I mean, the one I did last week, I think I talked for like 45 minutes. I also ate six pieces of pizza while I did that because I don't care. I can see you doing that. Yeah, it was was amazing. So we, (laughs) we we did a little bit of looking researching you know we always do this go to google and we actually search for things and we see what kind of crap we come up with and this week was especially pungent crap because most of the discussions of how to survive uh difficult boring meetings will get you fired will get you fired they're horrible horrible suggestions from horrible people who've obviously never been employed anywhere where anything actually got done I will say this, because I looked up how to survive boring classes, having most of my experience be in the educational realm, and 
Some of them are really freaking funny. This they is not would, how you conduct yourself as a professional. Oh yeah, they they would get you not only fired but blacklisted in the community. Yeah, or punched in the face. I mean, I, I've just seen some unbelievably atrocious things. Like, okay, you, you're in a meeting, and basically they're suggesting that you disrupt the meeting. Like one of yours, I think they they found. You know, there was one that was like, "Hey, throw a frisbee." Oh yeah, this was in a class. It was throw a frisbee at the professor, um, and if he doesn't catch it or pick it up after you throw it, you just scream out, "Bad professor, bad!" Yeah, which you know I could actually probably get away with some stunt like that where I work uh, because I'm I've I've cultivated an air of randomness. But and the people you said, work with are pretty cool. I mean, yeah. But even that said, the. The thing is, is there's a lot of just flat out terrible advice out there for how to get through a meeting. And I, I kind of want to shift things around a little bit here because part of your problem is the fact that you're trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing too is just because it's boring does not mean the content isn't useful. Well, and here's another thing. If it's boring for your coworkers and you take interest in it and you get productive capability out of it and they do not, guess what? You're ahead of the pack. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how to how to work your way through meetings in a manner that is professionally helpful and can get you where you're trying to go with your career. So I guess we'll, we'll begin uh, with a little bit of discussion of what you do before a meeting. Because really, the most critical time for dealing with potentially painful meetings is beforehand. And... You know, the first thing is, if you know it's going to be something that's boring and you know that it's not going to be useful, try to figure out how to get out of it. Oh, yeah. If you can. Um, because, you know, there's there's a lot of places I've worked, for instance, that had a lot of meetings and they would bulk invite everybody. And they don't really need you there. They're just inviting you so that you can come if it's actually useful to you. But if it's not, it's, it's, it's reasonable to try to get out of things that don't help you. Because you've got a certain amount of stuff you've got to do in your job. Yeah, and and also, if your boss thinks that you should be there, but you're like, this is nothing to do with me, it's just a bulk invite, one thing you can do is uh, throw in a, a monkey wrench to the code, like, pound define if while. No, you don't do things like that. Although that sounds like one of the suggestions from one of the things that you found. But Yes, it, okay. that's, that's where I got that. I was a joke. Wow, really? Um, yeah. Like we said, there were, there's some unbelievable, there's, there's just an unbelievable amount of crap advice on this. So let's talk about a few things. Um, one thing, if you don't think that you should be in a meeting and your boss does, what does that entail? What, what does that imply here? That implies... One of you has an incorrect perception of the value of the meeting, possibly both of you, but at least one of you probably does. Either it's something that you haven't figured out why it's valuable, and you need to discuss this with your boss before the meeting and figure out what you're supposed to bring, you know, what, you know, what value you bring to the table. It could also be where it's, depending on the structure of your company, but where it's the person above your boss who oversees a lot of different things and says this is mandatory and you tell your boss, why do I have to go? And your boss is like, I think it's stupid too, but it's mandatory. 
Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that's great. That's actually really productive. And you know why? Why's that? Well, the reason why is, is that your boss's boss, if he is pushing this meeting, is going to be there. This is the place where you make an impression. Yeah, pay attention and, like, ask questions and stuff, and you make a good impression on the yeah. big guys. And you know what the big guy says to the your boss? He says, we're grooming that guy for management. Yeah. If that's the direction you want to go. Or he has a positive impression of you. You Don't, don't discount the value of that. So when you're getting prepared for a meeting, you do understand that you get prepared, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a meeting request and five minutes before the meeting, you're trying to figure out where the meeting is, what it's even about, who's going to be there, you fail. You want to know who's there, for one thing, because you want to know the political lay of the land, right? Like, let's say that, you know, IT is under the financial part of the company. It's under the CFO, right? You're in a meeting and you see, hey, Oh, you know, it's couple, it's a couple of people from our department. It's my boss. It's his boss. It's the CFO. And then there's these accountants over here. There's, there's a significant potential for political intrigue between the accountants and your department that you need to figure out what that is. Maybe they like you. Maybe there's about to be layoffs and they're talking to you about how to restructure the company. Maybe there's, you know, there's any number of things that can be going on. You need to figure out what that is. Like there's, Meetings have two agendas. There's the agenda that they send out with the meeting, and there's actually what the meeting's about. And sometimes those line up really well, and they don't. You don't really see a whole lot of conflict. Sometimes there's a meeting about something that's really about something else. When you get that warning ahead of time, you need to start teasing that out. See, I'm used to being new in the tech industry and having experience with sales. I'm used to sales meetings, which, if you guys haven't experienced them, they're like pep rallies. They really are. The the point of sales meetings is to pep you up, give you the information you need, and get you excited to go out there. They want to get you pumped up and fired up and ready to go out there and just rock it out. And so that's my experience with most corporate meetings um, is either they're very educational and telling you a lot of really good, useful information, or they're Pep rallies. Well, that's, I guess that's not really what I've seen with development meetings. There's development meetings that are, you know, here's here's something that's coming down the pipe and we want to get you in on the initial planning. Uh, here's something that is about to happen right now and you need to plan. Here is something where we're discussing a problem that we've actually already solved in a way that's probably not beneficial to you, but we're putting this out there. Uh, I guess the thing is, is I've been at this a little bit longer, and so I, I'm a little bit more cynical about meetings. Well, it's also, it's a completely different attitude towards them. It's, it's a completely different style of meeting. And that's what I was getting at with it is coming from the marketing sales side, meetings have a different kind of, I don't know, like a... Gestalt. It's like a different attitude towards them. Yeah, y'all's your your meetings are cheerful, whereas ours it means either there's work coming or there's lack of work coming. As in, you get to sell your services on the street because you're about to be unemployed. Um, now, the latter isn't isn't as common, but one thing that you start to learn as you work with some of these larger businesses is that there tend to be a lot of politics and a lot of 
you know, sometimes a little bit janky things going on in the background. So like the meeting is about this one project, but it turns out there's two executives there that hate each other. And yeah. it's, it's really about them figuring out who's on top and not so much about you. So it's important to prepare in advance and to kind of get the lay of the land of these mm-hmm. things so that you're prepared for whatever is going to happen. If you're supposed to be, you know, on somebody's side or not, or you really you shouldn't pick sides as much as possible, but sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's a matter of picking a side, the side that benefits you. Yeah. You know, and, and so you want to be prepared for that because you don't ever want to be caught completely by surprise when the, the meeting is political uh, because you're sitting there looking stupid and you have to make a quick decision and the quick decisions are bad. Now, um, what's good is when you've had, when you've done the background research and you know what's going on and they're expecting you to make a quick decision and you've already made that decision and you come out with it quick, that makes you look good. Which kind of brings the other thing into play too because as you know, as a human being that's involved in this situation, you come to a meeting with an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. They have an agenda. And you get it from them, but you also build your own agenda. You figure out what you want from this meeting. And that can be anything from, okay, I want to find out, you know, these points and get this this piece of information. Uh, it can be, I want to give these people this piece of information. It can be, I want to guide them towards this decision. But you go in there prepared ahead of time for what that looks like. You don't show up flat-footed, not knowing what's going on, and then try to wing it. Because if you, you know, there's environments you can get away with this in for a very long time, but there are there are Fortune 500 companies that if you do that, you will be eaten alive. Yeah. Flat out. And I've worked in them. And so it's important to, to know, you know, from that aspect, what what's actually really going on under the hood and what what direction you want things to go? Because remember, you're you're brought in to solve problems, and sometimes those problems are not just programmatic. Sometimes those problems are people problems. Sometimes those are those are things where okay, like for instance, the aforementioned accounting example, right? You've got the accountants in the other department, and they're all mad because you know some system is you know losing transactions or something. Why is it losing transactions? Well, it turns out that you know, we've got some crap code that we haven't prioritized fixing. And you know about it. In fact, it causes you headaches every day. Guess what? If you go into that meeting with the agenda that, hey, look, this is this is a recurring problem. You can actually come out looking good. You can actually come out with support for fixing the problem. And bear in mind, don't don't blame this on somebody currently there. Oh, don't I wouldn't I would say don't blame this on someone that had been there because they may have friends still there. Yeah. Um, um, and you know like where I work right now, we've got a we've got a former programmer and I'm I'm careful um, about what I say about this guy. This guy is, you know, I can tell looking back and seeing his code, he's a post turtle. You familiar with that term? Mm-hmm. Uh post turtle, you see this in the, you know, out in the sticks out in the country and where you've got People that have accents like mine are a little bit worse uh, running up and down the road. And what a post turtle is, is like a box turtle or a snapping turtle, if they really want to be brave, that's on top of a fence post. Okay. Okay. And that sounds a little weird. Well, how did the turtle get there? Well, he didn't get there himself. 
Yeah. And he's screwed because he's there. Yeah, there's nowhere to go from there. Right. All he can do is fall. Yeah. Right? I'm, I've, I've dealt with a lot of code here lately by a former programmer that's a post-turtle. He really should not have been in the position he was in, and because of various factors, he ended up there. Now, I can't, I can't trash talk him to management. Yeah, you no. don't want to do that at all, really, because you don't know, you know, who he may be related to, who he may be friends with. Yeah, in this particular case, he ticked off everybody at the business, and I was okay with it. Because it's a small company, you can do that, but larger companies especially, you don't want to do that. But what you do want to do is say, look... We have this asset here that is old code that is really causing the problem that you're having, and it's causing me problems too. And so let's figure out how to work this out. If you go in with that agenda, you got to be a little careful that you don't tick off management. Make sure that you know what your manager and their manager's objectives are. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to do a little bit of, of digging around to figure out what that is. But if you go in with that agenda, you can actually make positive organizational change in the most boring meeting. I would say... And not get fired doing it. Well, what I was going to say, I would say that if you are paying attention the way that you should be, and we've got more episodes that are going to talk about this and give some great advice coming down the road, but if you're paying attention the way you should be, you will know your manager and their manager's agenda. Right. And we'll talk about some ways to uh, weasel that out a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've got a few tricks that really help a lot and actually don't really don't anger the upper management like they're being spied on. They're like, oh, this guy's a tenant. Yeah. Not, you know, this guy's spying. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that, you know, getting an agenda together is, is very important. Uh, one of the things that you also need to do beforehand is, is kind of have a list of questions. That's a really good idea. Yeah, questions and talking points, both, because, you know, depending on how much you're actually expected to speak. But one thing is, is, you know, find the things that you don't know and, and get those out there where you do know them. Because it's, it's an interesting thing about human beings, and I know you've studied psychology, you understand this. People don't like you because you help them. People like you because they help you a lot of times. It's this weird reverse psychology thing that happens. It's, it's very strange, but you ask somebody to do a small favor for you, and then it's easier to get them to do a large favor later because they otherwise they get the cognitive dissonance of, I helped him, but I don't like him. Yeah. And also on that, this kind of reminds me of, of education in a way, uh, especially when you get to the, the higher levels of education, grad school, and med school, law school, things like that, you go to class having already read the material and knowing what's going on because the class is just going deeper into it. We'll go to those meetings already knowing what's going on and have your questions ready. Even if you know the answers to them, one of my the biggest things for me was being able to ask questions that I kind of already knew the answer to, but needed the confirmation just to make 100% sure. But then I would have uh, fellow students come up and say, I'm so glad you asked that because I was really curious about it and just, you know, too yeah. shy or quiet or... What's well, the Colombo method, right? Yes, exactly. One more thing. 
<laughs> and you know, notice how he always nails the guy. You know, and it's it's whatever guy he looks back towards, but he's not one of his eyes really isn't looking back towards the guy, but the eye that is looking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's and, and it, it works. It works very well. And asking questions and listening feedback tends to, as long as the questions are not confrontational, tends to actually make people a little bit more positively disposed towards you. Well, that's a very good point uh, that, that you you made. The question's not being confrontational, and that's something that you really have to watch out for is when you're asking these questions, are you asking to learn, or are you asking to correct or change the person? Yeah, yeah you don't do that. I mean, you can you can ask questions to get them to change, mm-hmm. but you, you throw out something, and you, you don't try to make it look like you're trying to be the agent of change, right? You oh, yeah. want, if you ask a question with that objective... You want the other guy to go, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Not exactly. he suggested it, mm-hmm. but I hadn't thought about that. Because remember, you win either way. People are going to remember that you came up with that idea to, at some level. That You don't have to be the, the forefront guy. You've got the upper management guys. Those are the people that want, that are taking the risk with the idea too. So let them take the risk. So, you know, given that, you're prepared beforehand, right? So moving moving along, we've talked about what to do before. What about during a meeting? Okay. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit like a very short time period before. One thing you want to make sure you do is show up prepared and early. Like bring your notes, have that stuff printed out. Print it out like a day before so that you have the notes and the agenda and a printer issue doesn't screw you over. Oh, well, that's just common sense. That's common sense, but common sense isn't common. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I would think... Right, if common sense isn't common, then it's just sense. Yeah. You almost I, did a wordplay there. I prefer um, dollars. Yeah. So you you get there a little bit early. Uh, part of the deal with this is this gets you a better seat. Uh, there's a couple things that... and. This is a little bit of classroom theory type stuff that I've, I've picked up over the years of, as I've observed. So I don't really have any backing for this, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, sit to the left side. What is that? For whatever reason, I've noticed that people tend to be more positive towards questions on the right side of their field of view from people on the right side. I don't understand. There's some psychological underpinning, I'm sure. But this is just something I've kind of That's probably noticed. because most people are right-handed. Right. And that's where they go. Like, that's their auto. Right. And so you want to get in that. If you're if you're knowledgeable, right, that's where you want to sit. Mm-hmm. If you want to be influencing the meeting. Okay, that's, that's one thing. You want to be towards the front. Uh, you want to be in a, a reasonable uh, seat. If you get there early, you can pick the chair that's actually a good chair. Every conference room I've ever been in, unless these, the company is extremely wealthy, has got two or three crappy chairs in there because other people that are sitting around there have had problems with their chair and they just switch them out. Mm-hmm. So if you get there early, you get one of the chairs that doesn't hurt your back, that isn't super comfortable where you fall asleep, that isn't creaky. You know, like pick this stuff out beforehand, right? Set and setting is important. So, you know, get there early, right? That's sort of during the meeting but it's really not it's it's a couple minutes it's, it's yeah it, another thing is it some classroom theory it's like game theory for the classroom let's say 
you you know you haven't prepared or it's just an, a meeting that you don't really know a lot about it doesn't really involve you that much uh, one theory for from education for the classroom is the way to not get called on and to not be noticed you don't want to sit in the front because the front gets you called on a lot you don't want to sit in the back because then you look like you're trying not to get noticed right. you sit in the middle yeah, sit in the middle on the right-hand side. Yes, exactly. Which is a great place to sit for budget meetings if you're not setting budgets. Yeah. Um, now, I'll, I'll tell you a couple other things. Uh, a little bit in prep, you know, the last few minutes. Um, about two hours before a meeting, and this is, this is going to sound extremely gross, and I'm sorry. Uh, but one thing that I always try to do is drink a cup of hot coffee. It's a vasodilator. You will have a bowel movement. But yeah, it's it's so that you don't have to go during the meeting. Okay. And I know that that sounds really bad, but what you don't want to do is be in a situation where something's being discussed, and you know it's especially if the meeting gets heated, you're you tend to tense up a little bit, and your stomach will start hurting. You don't want to have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the meeting. So getting getting that out of the way is really important. I know this sounds extremely gross, <laughs> it, but it, people don't think about that. Like that's a strategy thing. Like do that beforehand, get that over with. We, we used to joke in med school about um, my my caffeine has reached laxative levels. Yeah. However, okay, so we got the before the meeting thing, or the last, you know, 20 minutes before. So now, during a meeting, um, one thing that can help is obviously taking notes. However, a lot of people's notes are extremely ineffective. When they take a meet, you know, when they go into a meeting, and what ends up happening is, is because they're taking their notes in an ineffective manner, they're not recording useful information, and they're also getting bored. And getting bored is a killer in some of those meetings. So, uh, let me allow you. Let me suggest uh, a way to go about this that has worked pretty well for me, and that is actually getting your meeting notes and putting them in a mind map. Now, if you've got, if you're able to take a laptop or something. That's that's fine. There's lots of tools for that. But otherwise, just draw the circles and lines. I would suggest it. not taking a laptop because... I would too, because it looks like you're not paying attention when you're working. People don't know, and it starts that process in their head of, are they paying attention or not? Skip the laptop if you can do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it not only does it look like you're not working, but it's way too easy... To, to not be working. To not be working. To jump on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, or to actually be doing your job yeah. in the meeting and look like you're not doing your job. Or to have somebody do a pop-up message. You know, they send you a, a, a Google Plus or a Google Hangouts message or a Facebook message or, you know, something else and your laptop starts pinging. Also, leave your cell phone out. Just leave your cell phone in the office. Unless you unless your wife is pregnant and going to pop any day, leave the cell phone in the office. Just don't, don't take it with you to the meeting. Don't draw attention to yourself in a negative fashion. Only draw it in a positive fashion. You do need to draw attention to yourself, but don't do it stupidly. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we're in the meeting. We're taking our notes in a mind map, right? That makes it very easy to start from a central point and work out. And well, why don't you kind of give those of us that don't know what a mind map is. Okay, well, you have a central premise of the meeting, right? That's a circle in the middle. It's got mm -hmm. text in it. They start a premise off of that. You draw a line and an arrow up to another circle with that. So it's it's a way of outlining in a spatial fashion. 
Do you have a link for that we can put in the show notes? Um, I don't, but I have a software suggestion. Uh, XMind. Okay. Uh, it's free and open source. It's not so much that you take this into the meeting, but just download the software, use it, and you'll see how it, how you, it, it will explain how a mind map works better than any explanation that you can get because you're using software. Well, the, when, you sh- when you explained it to me originally, the concept, it made perfect sense because I was doing it already. Just you just not, didn't know you were doing it. I didn't know I was doing it. It was just to, to formulate ideas, but what I'm getting at is, why don't I tell you what I'll do? Uh, I will find an image because this is what helped me when you were explaining it to me. I actually have a blog post of how I do blog posts, and it discusses using mind map yeah. software. We, we put that link. In the yeah, show I'll, notes. I'll put that link there. I just I think an image, which is what helped because me. I actually came up with that blog post during a meeting. Um, okay, so once you have you have your mind map, right? You're going to, for one thing, this is going to focus your your attention. It's also going to get you good notes. So you have things you can follow back on. You know, be sure to keep um, another piece of paper there with you know, useful details that really don't fit in the mind map. You know, if somebody mentions certain things mm-hmm. or they commit to things, write that down. Yeah. No. So from yeah. there, the next thing is ask questions. Right? You want to you want to elicit feedback. You you have your list of questions beforehand. If you prepared, you'll have additional questions more than likely if it's a complex topic. Start asking those and ask them in a way that elicits the other person educating you and educating the other people around you, not in a confrontational manner, not in an undermining manner. Go, you know, if, if there's a, a point of contention, you say, how would you respond to somebody that says this? How do we, how do we deal with this? And, and that way it looks like you're on their side mm-hmm. and you can get better feedback from them. And it also kind of cements you in their memory as an ally. Yeah, and it... That's Frankly, a, just a better way to be human being. Well, yeah, and that, that's that's a really good point in a lot of different things. It, it goes back to our very first episode when we were talking about uh, talking with non-developers and rephrasing. Yes. Because what that what that does is it's you are agreeing with them and still pointing out a flaw. Right, or allowing them to deal with it and, and allowing them to show how they've already handled it. Yeah, because they may they may have, have already thought of that and figured out a solution, and all you're doing is, this happens a lot in the higher levels of school you get into where... Yeah, you you've got everyone in the classroom is very intelligent and the professor is explaining something and somebody asks the question like that and they're like, yeah, we're going to get into that in just a moment. That's a really great segue and you can provide that segue for them. Right. And then they start looking at you as an ally. And the thing is, is you, know, you guys are you're in a business. Typically, you're all trying to get profit. Mm hmm for the business. So you really are on the same team and this sort of reinforces that. Now, another thing you can do on occasion is offer suggestions where that's appropriate. That if you're a junior developer, that is a very, very thin area for you. You don't want to be Kramer. A lot of junior developers are really quick to jump in with ideas that sound like they would work, except that's something that was already tried 10 years ago. And your idea may actually be good, but 
organizationally, it's it's not going to fit because it's already been tried. So you vary that based off of your level within the organization. For instance, if you're a junior dev, you know, kind of maybe kick the idea out, go, hey, this, you know, this might actually be a good use case for whatever, and then turn and look at a senior dev and go, what do you think? I was going to suggest something similar to that. Um, one thing that I have noticed in companies I've worked at is the best way, if you think you have a good idea, the best way to get your idea across is to go to someone more senior, like especially if it's like an immediate supervisor, and say, hey, what have you guys tried this? That's a really great thing is, yeah. have you tried this? Because what that says is, this is an idea I had, and I I think you guys have probably already thought of it. If not, it's a new idea. And you're not saying we should do it this way. You're you're changing the the direction of the conversation to this is something I thought of. Is it a good idea that I thought of this? Yeah, another one I another one I'll do frequently. But I'll say, hey, you know, I had this idea. Why wouldn't this work? I mean, like, why haven't you know why hadn't this come up? Because obviously, there's a reason for it. Yeah. That's, that's what, what am I good. missing that, that this hasn't come up? And sometimes I'm not missing anything that that's a good idea and they didn't know it's a thing. Yeah, that, that happens. And sometimes, like you said before, they've tried it a and while it back. And blew it blew up in their face. Yeah, and, and they have a very good reason for not doing it. It's just you haven't been around long enough or weren't there back then to see it blow up. Well, it's a tactical thing too, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you're going, okay, you're not going, I'm going to attack this target Yeah. of here's what I want to happen. You're going to go... Is this a good target? Tell me. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're listing that feedback. And go, yeah, it's a great target. And then all of a sudden they go they go to their manager and they go, hey, this guy came and said, this is a good idea. Yeah. Or it's a crap idea and they tell you why and then it never goes to their manager. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is you're setting yourself up to win. Yeah, you really are because Only. yeah, if if it's a good idea, it goes forward and you'll get the. You'll get the credit for it. If it's a bad idea, it stops right there, and all it's seen as is they're trying to solve the problem yeah. in the best way they can. Yeah. And and then you actually get help. I mean, this, this whole thing with meetings, as a junior, really as anybody, you need to look at meetings not as this is a way of organizing and saying what we're going to do. It's a way of getting the group to cohere and to go in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you lead that direction, sometimes you don't. But the point of the meeting is well, you know, pulling that together. Life's a dance. You learn as you go. Sometimes you lead. Sometimes you follow. Right. Uh, which country song is that? That has to be at least two or three of them. That's a Garth Brooks song. I was going to say. The dance. Sounds like somebody's going to lose a trailer any time now. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing. And this is something that I really want to hammer in on the junior devs, especially, is learn to shut up sometimes when it's appropriate. Okay, if you're in a meeting and it's obvious that higher-ups are arguing, don't be in that. Just unless they unless they ask your opinion. Yes. And, and that they, will be very, very rarely that that will ever happen, but... Be careful when they ask your opinion, too, that you don't incriminate anybody in any way, shape, or form, even if they deserve it, because that's the sort of thing that gets remembered, and it mm-hmm. will backfire on you two years from now. Yeah. 
and you just you don't know when that's going to hit. So don't you know be careful. But most of the time, if there's if there's some kind of hostility going on, just not being in it is is a safer place to be. I mean, don't try to mediate either. You you think, and I understand this thought because this is something that is really hard for me coming from the the psych background and especially years of working as a... Or dysfunctional families. Yeah, yeah. but years of working in a psych hospital and things like that is I I want to go mediate because that's my training. That's what I I expect is my role. And it's something that I really struggled with when I kind of first got out of that was not doing that. Well, some people in a corporate environment also are like grumpy old men, Mm -hmm. like the movie. Yeah. Where, you know, you had, uh, was it Don Lemon and Walter Matthau? They uh-huh. hated each other in the movie. But they were, they had this weird, angry, codependent thing where if, if one of them was, you know, in trouble, the other one didn't know what to do because that was just, that's who they were. That's how they'd identified themselves. And you'll run into that in upper management where people have been working together for 10 or 15 years and they hate each other, but they're frenemies. Yeah. And it's I hate like that a, term, but it it does apply. It's like a domestic dispute. There is no upside. Like ask any cop that has gone into a trailer park to break up a domestic. You can you can stop the guy from beating on the gal, and they'll both beat on you. Yeah, because you intervened, and that's it's this weird dysfunctional thing. And you see a very similar dynamic sometimes in companies that are a bit stagnant. Mm-hmm. And so it's best to just sit back and, and not be part of that because eventually those people are either going to figure it out or one of them's going to go away. You don't know which one. So you don't need to tick off either of them. You just need to be helpful and do your job. No. And it, that's, that's a really good time to just stay out of it. And yeah. that's, that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it really is because one of them it probably looks right to you. That and... I mean, we're in a business of problem solving. Yeah. We want, we, we, we see a solution and we want to go after it. Yeah. And this is one of those times where that's not the best path. You don't want to go after that. Right. Now. You can offer little bits and pieces. You don't do it when words are flying and people are, if people are starting, especially if they're starting to yell at each other and those kind of things. You just sit there and you take notes and don't speak unless spoken to because sometimes there's no profit in actually being in that conversation. So just don't be in it if you can help it. Mm-hmm. And this this is like... Um... Now, if you do notice, and, you, and going back to my point before, if you know it's potentially going to be an adversarial meeting, instead of having a cup of coffee two hours beforehand, take it with you to the meeting. It gets, you know, the meeting gets wound up, start <laughs> chugging that coffee, and then be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. That's a good, that's My a good. My stomach is bothering me. That's a good excuse to get out of. Okay, uh, I've done this two or three times, and this works great. And it's, it sounds really bad, but the thing is, is people think that if you're that crude, you couldn't possibly have planned it. So I'm just gonna throw that out there, and everybody's gonna go, holy crap, Will. And that's gonna Especially be Especially people that have worked with you, they're gonna go, you planned that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on, I, I want to point something out. And you were talking about the mind maps. And yeah. that works really well for you. 
that may not work for everybody. So I'd like to, to offer an alternative Okay. on, on the note taking. And it's something that I've done. It's again, something I did without realizing I was doing it. It just, it flows with, and you probably did this too in biology. It flows with kind of the biology and chemistry and that's, uh, taking graphical notes or, uh, I heard on another podcast and I, I'd say where I heard it, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's sketch notes. And this guy teaches a whole class. He has a couple of books out on how to draw. And you don't have to be an artist to do this. I mean, I'm not a good artist, but I can take picture notes. And it is super helpful because it's not only, you know, some people like to doodle a lot when on the phone or when in meetings and stuff like that. I used to do that. I had, I could draw a rabid squirrel perfectly in like three seconds. Uh, and you, you end up there. And, and the problem with doodling is, is that it's very obvious if anybody looks at your notepad that you're not taking good notes. Mm-hmm. And you know, really the, the important thing here, the takeaway is to actually be engaged in the meeting. If it's a stupid, pointless meeting, it's still okay to be completely, fully engaged because then they go, okay, you know what? This meeting was a waste of time, but this dude over here is like really focused on it. So you still look good, mm-hmm. but then they start going, okay, this was a waste of his time. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, we really noticed he was here mm-hmm. and we made him come here. So it's still, it goes back on them. It doesn't come back on you. Yeah. Right. This is... I, you know, this is, I guess this comes into the whole thing of, it, it's like a Greek phalanx, actually. It's a battlefield tactic of, I don't want to get stabbed, so I'm going to stay behind this shield, right? You're playing safe. Mm-hmm. That's that's what your mindset needs to be. Most meetings you go into, especially in larger corporations, is make safe and do the thing that you're trying to do. One thing I really like about the whole concept of graphical note-taking, of Sketchnote, which is a brand name uh, that I think is awesome. Um, If you're interested, there will be a link in the show notes. You should definitely buy this guy's book. It's really good. Um, But is it takes something that most of us are going to do anyways, which is doodling, and it gives it a purpose. Yes. So here you have, you doodle... You know, the, the mindless stuff, but it takes that and it puts a focus and purpose on it. So something you're already going to do now has a focus and it looks good to the company. Because when somebody sits down and looks at your notes, they're going to be able to follow them. I mean, I'm looking at their website right now and there's an example on there and I, I can follow this. And I wasn't at the meeting or anything. It's just, it's easy to follow easy to understand and somebody can look over your shoulder and see what you're doing and where you, from a distance you may look like you're doodling when they look at what you're doing you're taking really detailed notes yeah and let's let's talk about the purpose of those notes right because mm-hmm. after the meeting uh, that's the point at which you solidify the impression you made during the meeting exactly and you know the, you got to bear in mind okay it's, it starts out you're planning the meeting so that you're not going to get hurt Right, and that you can be effective in the meeting. After the meeting, your goal is now to solidify that impression and move forward. Right? This is politics 101 in a work environment. So the first thing you want to do, make sure you do, is follow up with the presenter 
uh, get your notes into some decent format, potentially. Yeah, especially like when you have presenters, this is, this is always great. When you have like a VP of a company that is not organized and you are, and you took good notes and you go, Hey, here's what I got on notes. Is there anything you would add? Yeah. What will end up happening a lot of times is they forward that to everybody mm-hmm. because now their slacker self cannot do the work of, uh, of making a summary because you just did that. Yeah. And they, you know, they remember you and this can be like your boss's boss or a level above even. So make sure and contact the presenter, you know, and if you have additional questions that maybe weren't appropriate for the meeting. That's another really good point that falls back to something I was thinking about from, from medical school was something we learned kind of early on during, during our education was what questions were appropriate for the class and what were appropriate to ask after class. Now, there were a handful of people that never quite got that, and everybody thought they were very annoying. Yes. But uh, most of us figured that out pretty quickly on, and it was a really good sign to go up. Well, it was a good sign of a professor if there was a line of people with questions to ask. Generally speaking, that line would diminish uh, very rapidly because as one person would ask a question after class, just standing around talking, as one person would ask a question, about five people would walk away because that was the same question they had. Yeah. yeah. It gives them good feedback, which they remember. It's it's helpful feedback. And sometimes you can get a little bit of a dialogue going there, too. This is a point where you make good contacts. This is a point where your note-taking ability, even if you're absolute crap at writing notes, which I am, if you've done a decent mind map and you can kind of summarize that and you send it on and go, hey, here's what I got from the meeting. Is there anything you would add? One thing, you know, if, if, if especially if the uh, person presenting hasn't sent out a summary, and a, you know, give it an hour or two after the meeting and wait and see. Send your summary out to the attendees. Go, hey, here's what I got. Thought this might save some people some time. But I wrote everything down and kind of tried to get it together in a good place. And you know, here's you know, here's the action items. Uh, one thing you do want to be doing as you're, you're taking notes, I hope you do this, is write down action items. Keep those in a separate section. So list the things that you need to do. Uh, try to take those as well for other people. So that you can put all this in an email and summarize this stuff up. Because a lot of people don't do this. In fact, you will never see another programmer do this regularly. I've not seen that. But if you do, you'd be amazed at the power of that position. Because now people are discussing what you just sent out. Okay? And this doesn't sound like much. Oh, it's a big thing. But they only do that. The other people they do that for are management. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just took notes. So you can mentally get yourself, you know, in a lot of people's minds, you get yourself into that circle of the people that are further up the chain. And we're going to talk about some, at some point, some proactive strategies for how to develop your career, like sneaky, backhanded strategies for doing that. And this is one of these kind of things where you get the perception that you're a little further up the chain than you actually are because you're providing useful value at that chain, at that point in the chain. 
and that's that sort of thing. It's sort of like having a podcast. Yeah. Right? We're just two dudes sitting in a basement and discussing these things. At the end of the day, that's what we are. But there's going to be people that are going to listen to this podcast and think, oh, these guys must be senior developers with 20 years of experience and all this stuff, because otherwise, why would they be talking about it? The fact that you talk about something gives you a mantle of expertise that can't be matched anywhere. Mm-hmm. So bear that in mind that that is a thing and that exists in a corporate environment. Since I stole BJ's thunder in regards to the IoT section, he has retaliated by taking over the tricks of the trade section. And so uh, I have to ask him, uh, what do you have for us for tricks of the trade, Beach? All right, well, uh, thanks, Will. This week for Tricks of the Trade, I have something pretty cool that I found, and it's really awesome. It's draw.io, and it is basically a flowchart maker, but it has a lot of really cool features that could also help with development. It does have a wireframe feature for creating your own wireframes, and they support older browsers, like all the way back to IE7. Um, they they support touchscreen on Android, iOS, Windows, and Chromebook, and they have full features. Like their full feature set extends back to IE7. So everything you can do in the most current version of Chrome, you can do in IE7. And what's really cool about this is it uses JavaScript, but it doesn't use it uses basically vanilla JavaScript. Uh, no, no libraries needed. You can just go right into this. It's fully documented, and it's built for developers. Again, uh, that is draw.io, and check it out. I made a few flowcharts for uh, for the podcast for us just to ease things up, and uh, there's some really neat stuff on there. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is OMFG Hello by Argo Fox and is also licensed under Creative Commons and available on SoundCloud. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at www.completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.